Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Magazine and GRC Professional Online. And once again, we have Naomi Broly, Managing Director, on the podcast. Hi, Naomi. Hello, Kwame. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, some work you were doing on a new, well, amending an international standard as well as a future event coming up. Um, That's right. Yeah. Um, with, as with all standards, they have a cycle of being reviewed mm. for continual improvement. Um, the one for the ISO standard for compliance management systems has come around a little bit early this time because there is a move to move it from a guidance standard to mm. a, um, a certifiable standard. So it becomes a little bit different in nature when it shifts across um, in this way. Uh, so it was important for GRCI to be there. We were there representing not just GRCI, but also the rest of the um, International Federation of Compliance Associations as well. Ah, excellent. And so, you know, what were some of, the, I guess, some of the key points that came out of those, those discussions that you were having? I mean, who was the, who else was there, I should ask? Maybe. Uh, look, yeah. there are representatives globally yeah. there as well as we're obviously representing a whole lot of global people, but each uh, country's standard body sends a representation as well. So we had Switzerland, Australia, um, uh, Austria, um, Trinidad and Tobago were there. Um, we had Brazil on the phone, France were there, America was there, um, Germany, oh, quite a few others actually. China um, had a had quite a large contingent because they're also helping with the Secretariat this year. Mm. Um, and then there are at least uh, 40 other standards bodies that have contributed or voted on this standard at some point, even if they haven't participated actively in the meetings. Right, right. And I guess what are some of the critical standout issues from those meetings? I guess the, the one for our members who have moved from using 3806, which we developed here, and then we took it to the international standard and became 19600, and in then it changed format, and everyone who changed over to that new standard would have um, seen some of the sections change in order um, and some of the emphasis and language change. What we get when we move into the international standard arena, fortunately or unfortunately, is um, some constraints around terminology mm. so that it can be actually internationally applied with consistency. Everyone understands what that word means, even if it's whatever language it's issued, it's translatable um, on a practical level. Um, and so we find that also then the uh, ISO runs out of Switzerland, that the Swiss um, office has certain dictates around certain wording. They also want all the standards, if they're management standards, which this um, becomes instead of a guidance standard, um, it, they want consistency in the structure of it and mm. consistency in the wording because it's a process, needs to be thought about in a particular way and the nuances of a compliance management system versus any other kind of management system um, are then built in on top of that. So right. you add in the detail around those. So I guess some of some of it were, was um, what you get in those meetings is a really eclectic mix of people who use these standards all the time to certify organisations against them. And so they come in with, and their viewpoint's valuable because they understand how a certification works in practice, what you can actually mark off against. Um, and so they don't like nebulous statements or anything broad, they need something that you could actually look at an organisation and go, yes, they have that in place, mm. or no, they don't have that in place. Um, 
as to the quality of that between organisations, you know, I, I think it would still vary um, regardless. But it's so it's important for our members who use these standards to understand that at the end of the day, when this comes out, it will be different. Um, and a lot of the the meat on the bones of the standard will then be in the annex. That that guidance around describing what that might look like, what your success factors might be, um, how you implement that in practice, as opposed to listing out what components should be in it, will be in the annex, as opposed to being in the body of the standard. Right. So you know, you spoke about specific terminology. You know, could you give an example of some terminology that was kind of a bit of a no go for some people? Um, look, if you want to get a new, we wanted to incorporate a lot more ideas around conduct right. in there, but it's not actually um, a concept that translates quite as literally and practically um, internationally. So yes, regulators are talking about compliant behaviours. Um, and that's what they want to see evidence, but they're not all using the same terminology that Australian and US regulators are using. Um, and so that was a difficult one to get across the line. Um, we also we also have a little bit of a um, back and forward about what's a stakeholder and what's an interested party and what's the difference. And there is a very strong feeling in Europe that differs from Australia between what you would call a third party and what you would call a contractor and when you tip that line to become an employee. So th th there were quite a few areas where we had to sort of talk through what people thought they meant by the use of a term, what an organisation would think that they meant. Um, there's also been huge resistance uh, from some countries as well to this idea of a governing body right. and using that. So we, we, so we had to try and be as inclusive of all scenarios as possible with the standards. So a little bit of... Um, little bit wieldy but at the end of the day um, I think it was really really important for us to be there because you do like I said you have people in there who certify against the standard but you they're not the same people who put in a compliance management program they mm. certify against 10 or 12 different ISO standards um, and so there's a completely different experience of it um, when you've actually tried to implement a compliance management program and want to be able to hand that standard to a staff member and say, go over our compliance standard, make sure it's still, um, it's, it's actually adheres to this standard, that it's structurally sound and use the standards as a guideline for that. Um, we wanted to make it a really, really useful document as well for those who are new to this. Um, so it's a bit of a balancing act between those two. So any ideas of when this standard will actually be sort of published and out there and sort of people have to start sort of getting ready for adapting, it? Adapting, adapting to, well, look, hopefully in Australia there won't be a lot of changes. So the time, the rough timeline is that there should be a draft international standard out maybe January, February next year. Right. It has to come back to our little committee to make sure that all the changes that we thought would be taken up. Switzerland has a final call on all the changes we've suggested. And if it comes back and we disagree, we have to have another little meeting. Um, then it will go out for public comment. And then there is a meeting in June or July to theoretically finalise a draft for release at the end of 2020. Whether that's what actually happens, um, if we get a lot of public comments coming in, uh, if people don't understand what's meant by a certain term, we'll have to we'll have to deal with that in the next round. But it has been through a little bit of massaging, so my estimate is that that timeline will actually be adhered to. Yeah. In terms of Australian organisations, 
you know, they should be fairly much mature along this. The, the standard um, reinforces the three lines of defence model. It's very consistent with the way we view a compliance management program at the moment. What is probably the greatest risk for organisations, especially dealing with third parties, is that this is the standard that a lot of organisations, especially in developing countries, they're really embracing this, mm. um, and vice versa. So it can be it can be an incredibly positive thing. But they'll be handing to third parties and saying, "We want to see a certification against this." Right. So this is this is going to become a tool for third party um, assurance. Um, it, it seems to be the tone in the room. And, um, and I think that, that what we all know happens in practice as well and what was highlighted in the discussion with our peers in there. So there were a lot of people in the room from countries where they were compliance professionals as well, so they were mm. relaying their experience, is that sometimes management systems don't get fully implemented. You know, this idea of this continual improvement is you're actually finishing off some stuff on mm. that continual improvement cycle that you didn't get finished the first time. This will require complete implementation of your program to be certified. You will have to have all the elements in to get certification against it. And again, whilst a lot of uh, you know Australian participants we've been talking to aren't terribly concerned, um, third-party suppliers will, bigger organisations will. If this is embraced by the US, they will also be asking for those. So you may have someone turn around and ask to see not your compliance program, your certification for your compliance program. Right, yeah. The certification is quite important. And I should have added at the beginning that you travelled to India to, <laughs> to do this. <laughs> so this should be a travel podcast, I think. It's the second time we've talked about you travelling. It should um, be. <laughs> and look, it was really interesting to have a whole lot of what we would call developing countries in the room. ISO is very much, um, you know, a tool for having developing countries reach the standards everyone else is standing, being able to engage with um, on in the world marketplace in this, in this globalisation we say we've got. And, you know, compliance management system that is certifiable against is one way that that's going to happen. Right, excellent. So the next thing we're going to talk about today is um, the start of our point of view forums. So I guess it would be sort of interesting to get started. What is a point of view forum and what is it meant to achieve? Uh, these have uh, these are the brainchild of our newest principal member, Deloitte, um, and they've been a little while in the planning because obviously everyone's had a very busy 2019. We had meant to roll these out a little bit earlier, but we will be uh, launching our first one in Sydney and we're organising one in Melbourne as well. Um, and Heather Lowenthal, one of our directors um, on the GRCI board from Deloitte, uh, thought that what these events in particular could do is provide um, access for members to um, someone who is leading in the compliance space um, in one way, shape or form and give everyone a bit of face time with that person. They can talk about their perspective on on different aspects of um, compliance and risk management. So for our first one in Sydney, um, we have uh, Mark Adams from mm -hmm. ASIC and uh, nominally we've approached him to give us a little bit of a lowdown on a summary of the year in the RegTech space because ASIC's been very, very busy running you know, half-day sessions, the usual RegTech update, um, doing some experimentation, trying out that la natural language 
um, processing tech themselves as yep. a supervisory tech. They're soup tech, yeah. Yeah, soup tech. <laughs> um, and uh, so we'd like to get a bit of a lowdown from him. I know a lot of members do not have, have not had time to attend all those sessions. Yep. They haven't had a half day to be able to devote to that. Um, I've seen some familiar faces in the room when I've been able to make it to them, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are already in that tech space. So it's a great opportunity to come and hear from Mark about that because... ASIC are super enthusiastic about this rig tech space. Um, so it's definitely one where you should be getting their perspective on uh, what they see as potentials because I can guarantee you that will be on their visitation list. It's like, oh, have you thought of this? Mm. Why don't you have this tech? Why haven't you invested in your compliance program from a technology perspective will be the next question out of their mouth. Um, so it's definitely worth coming along. So that's going to be on the 4th of December. Um, and also supplementing Mark will actually be um, Raj from Deloitte. Uh, we, had a, we had a very brief um, window into some of the RegTech that Deloitte have been working with and playing with, and they, they work with a lot of RegTech providers mm. um, about sort of summarising compliance data and getting that data in and being able to do some analysis on incidents or behaviours and conduct and, you know, some of that that sort of grey area stuff and actually pulling that data into something you could present to a board or present to a team and, and sort of dig down into. Um, so we're going to get a little bit more time to play with that at this session as well, which will be really good because I had a number of people come up to me after the conference asking about it. Um, since I know nothing about it, I thought, can you please show us again in a little bit more detail? Yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question. Obviously, you know, you've been talking to members. Are there any, like, key critical questions, if you could narrow them down, just a few questions that people have been asking about RegTech technologies and how it can help them? Well, look, everyone's always asking for what's, what have you seen out there? What's the potential out there? What are people doing? Um, and because it's really difficult to sort of sit back and see the parade of stuff going on because when this first all burst onto the scene, there were like, what, 12 KYC providers yeah. showing their wares, some people doing obligations registers. And now we're sort of seeing the dust settle um, on on things and seeing which ones are, have got staying power, which ones have integrated well with other data, which ones are doing something a little bit more clever which ones are using a bit of AI to do something smart for your compliance monitoring and reporting? Um, and yeah, so I get a lot of questions about, oh, can you recommend this product? Can you can you tell me what might be out there? And to be honest, I think there's still gaps out there yeah. in the tech space for compliance management systems, um, but they're working on it. And so it, it bodes well to... to um, to keep your ear to the ground about this stuff mm -hmm. um, and definitely be coming on to that. In particular, so we've gone past the old managing obligations and assigning responsibilities and doing all that kind of guff. It's the getting intelligent stuff happening about um, conduct that might be going on in little pockets. Um, how do you know what your norm is? How can you keep track of that without having to be always out visiting the branch or visiting the wherever and travelling all the time as a compliance professional? So there, there is some, some quite clever stuff happening about that. But that's the kind of question I'm getting now. How is this going to get a little bit smarter for us to be able to use it better and use it strategically to achieve our compliance objectives? Um, you know, there's no fear from our members that's going to replace compliance people. I don't care what everybody says. It's not. Um, 
but it, uh, it will definitely help you be able to target where you've got to retrain people and not rely on your LMS and not rely on all these other your other re-lag indicators. It, it'll give you a better real-time input for how people are behaving, how they're treating customers, how they're um, following procedures and doing all that kind of stuff. So there are some clever things happening out there. All right, excellent. You know, a very important set of tools to help you implement your compliance management system <laughs> when it's published. All right, well, thank you very much, Naomi. Thank you. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute, and the music was produced by Rob Neary.